I think it was in Rejoice Detroit when Pastor had prayed and she asked the Lord to increase us and she said even let them see it on this week Lord increase them on this week Lord well the Lord did that for me an apartment that I was cleaning and renovating the realtor was able to sell that apartment for the extra work that I did inside I just went inside and just spent an extra few hours inside and when the person that came to buy the place she it was a blessing and so what the realtor did for me that same week that pastor had prayed lord let him see the increase she put in a card a thank you i still have the card and inside the card there was one one hundred dollar bill Amen. Yes. And I'm thinking, wow, I got a $100 tip for just doing an extra few minutes of my job. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Praise, Praise God. God. Thank you very much. Amen. We want to hear from you now, Lord. We're sitting at your feet to hear your word, your instruction, encouragement, correction, love, edification, building up, tearing down some things, encouraging us, putting us on the right path, straightening our walk, Father, that we might be able to walk in a way worthy of our calling and worthy of your glory and worthy of your blessing in Jesus name amen praise God amen 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 so the, we're going to talk about the fact that God attends to our cry he attends to our cry amen he attends to our cry it's so important to know as children of God we have so many different identities and facets of relationship with God we are the bride of Christ we are the one that was betrothed to the Lord from the foundation of the earth we are God's prized possession we are his beloved we are peculiar people but we are all, we are kings and priests but we are also his children we're his babies we're his ones that he has to take care of and he delights in caring for us and so <clears throat> In understanding that relationship that we have with God as children, uh, and he watches over us attending to our cry. And I was thinking about that um, um, some years ago uh, when I was in nursing, I worked in the... Um, uh, nursery, newborn nursery. You know, it's in hospitals. There's downtime and there's crazy time. And crazy time is what you know you kind of sit on edge for. But when things settle down, there's downtime. And so one of the pastimes of hospital people, you may or may not know this, is they like to go by the nursery and look at the babies. Everybody likes to watch little babies. And so, we, you know, you go up there and you kind of, you know, then the nurses the um, um, nursery nurses always are kind of you know they treat them like little footballs and you know little stuff like that and we're just all cooing it. it's just you know it makes for um, a good it's a good break you know and, and one of the things I remembered about labor and delivery in the nursery it was a happy place because there was life coming forth there some of the places you worked in hospitals it was depressing and so we take breaks and go up and see life you know uh, I understand it now as a Christian but at that time I didn't really understand too much but you know that's what we would do and I remembered when the uh, sudden in- infant death syndrome you know that was being talked about a lot since they would find kids that they would have what they call crib death and uh, I remembered some of the 
mothers in the you know when they're getting ready to take their babies home and you know they were nervous well I, you know I, I'm not sure how do I know he won't get it does it come from any and they were really really concerned and I remembered a mother bringing her baby in to the clinic and she said I'm, I'm so happy my baby's still here I know a lot of mothers have that thing where they die and she said but what I do I keep my baby beside me in the bed she said every now and then I'll shake her and make sure she's still awake you know so concerned about life that she watched over her all night long you know and and she said yeah I, I get enough sleep I get a nap here and there she said but I just know at some time she'll be if she'll be okay you know what I'm saying like when they get older they can stand on their own a little bit more their life isn't so fragile but there were lots of mothers who did that that, that would watch over their babies to make sure the death angel didn't come and claim them in the middle of the night and that's the way God watches over us he is attentive standing over us standing watch over us to hear our cry whenever we have a need just cry out to him he stands ready to move and to move into action and to perform what we desire he watches over us and hovers over us with love care and concern to preserve our lives to bless our lives to help our lives to comfort us to keep us to uh, keep us in a path of righteousness so that our lives will work right and it's a, a good thing because God is El Shaddai. The Bible says he is more than enough. For that word is the many-breasted one. Which means that there's always more than enough nourishment for us. There's always more than enough attention for us. Enough care for us. There's, he's always more than enough. You will be more than satisfied uh, if you cry out to God in your time of need. The worst thing in the world to do, I think, as a believer is try to figure out all your own answers. It'll never happen. Never happen. You can't figure out the way out of darkness. You can't figure out how to to get uh, success in life. You can't figure. These things aren't for figuring. Therefore, giving them out to God and, and expecting him to answer. Expecting him to show you the way. And you're not being weak. You're being wise. You got me? There's a difference between weakness and wisdom. You know, weakness is trying to make your own way in life and and fumbling over and over and over again and continuing to do it anyway. Wisdom is going to the source of all things, going to the one who cares about you, going to the one who has promised he would never leave you or forsake you. He's always going to be there for you and he has answers for you. He has direction for you, he has help and he has hope for you. So in Psalm 34, I found this one. And 34 and verse 16, uh, really I will start in in verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Why? Because my soul will make her boast in the Lord. Amen. So your soul, when you praise God, your soul is making its boast in the Lord and you are depending on God for your answers. You're not trying to figure anything out. See, when you lift up God, you bypass your ability and your desire to provide your own answers. So your soul then becomes uh, boastful in God, not in your abilities, but in God. 
So your soul begins to say, oh God, I thank you that I am healed. I thank you that you have answers for me. I thank you you will never leave me, never forsake me. I thank you for all good things you are doing for me. He says the humble will hear about that and be glad. Now the proud, proud aren't glad to make their boast in the Lord. The proud want to make their boast in themselves. But humble people will hear that and rejoice. You know, it's like, man, here's an answer for me. I finally got a breakthrough. God is my helper and I am praising him continually. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now, this person is caught on to something. He's asking everybody else to join in with him. This revelation is so moving and so real and so deep. He says, oh, come on and rejoice with the Lord with me. He said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So whenever we seek the Lord... He hears us and delivers us. And that's what he stands attentively over us for. To hear, to help, and to deliver. He said, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. So deliverance from fear is a biggie. Because we're always concerned of loss we're concerned lack we're concerned something's going to happen to us we embrace fear like a blanket sometimes because we just have this sensation and this feeling and this this uh, uh, thought that something is not going to work out right for us you know there's there's a there's a, um, a possibility that this is not going to work out right yeah but there are tons of possibilities that it will if we'll cry out to the Lord so he says this poor man cried to the Lord and he heard him and saved him out of all his troubles he says here in verse 16 I think it is he said the face of the Lord is against them that do evil so God does not look upon sin he does not look upon evil and he says to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth but in verse 17 the righteous cry and the Lord hears so the righteous will cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles so you have an edge because you've received Christ. You have an advantage because God's always looking at you to do you good and not if he if he didn't weren't going to do you good he'd turn his back to you. But the fact that he's looking at you and watching over you means that he means you good. He's always going to come on the scene to do you good. Psalm 107. Amen. If he hears us, if he looks upon us, it's all good. We, we can understand. We can expect good. We know, we know good is going to come to us. It's all going to be good because he's looking upon us. He says here in Psalm 107 the same thing. Verse 1, O give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so who he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. If you drop down in verse verse 8. Oh that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. 
such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death being bound in affliction and iron because they rebelled against the word of the Lord and and condemned the counsel of the Most High therefore he brought down their heart with labor they fell down and there was none to help then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses so here you see a people who have turned their backs on God rebelled because they have a covenant with God though after all of this they fall down on their faces cry out to God and then he shows up and helps them again it's amazing even after disobedience even after falling away even after not desiring God you know if backsliders could understand that God is still watching over them waiting for them to return to him waiting for them to cry out to him waiting for them to turn away from their wicked ways and humble themselves and cry out to God they would come back to God in a heartbeat but after you've walked away from from goodness and you walked away from mercy the enemy can get you deceived and get you to thinking that it's too late but we'll see in this psalm over and over again that God continues to deliver man even though man rebels even though man and walks away but how much more will he deliver those that are obedient to him how much more will he help us and come quickly to our aid in our time of need if we're walking closely to him so that word that we're talking about here where God is attentive to our cry it means that he stands watching and at attention he is sensitive to and alerted to our cry the word attend really means to prick up one's ears to cause your ears to stand up you know I have a little dog and and, you know she when you call her you know her little face she'll turn around her little ears stand straight up she doesn't want anything to interfere with that hearing so that she can hear you know treat time or (laughs) whatever you know that's all she really wants to hear but anyway it also means to mark well to mark well it is make sure that you know the spot and you know how to come back to that spot so wherever you are on the earth God has marked that spot well so he knows how to find you he knows how to zero in on you he knows how to get you uh, get a quick and a rapid response to your situation he knows how to do that the word attend also means to regard one of the words for attending and for the word attend really is is connected to the word for preservation or preserve and that's also the the word for watchman so then God is the watchman over your life and my life amen when you say that my God will preserve me that means he keeps watch the Hebrew word is shamar one of the words is shamar it means to watch to protect to maintain so really when you talk about God watching over us and maintaining our lives that means he doesn't want us to ever suffer loss or suffer lack he wants us to be maintained in a state of contentment in a state of joy 
It also means to protect. It also means a hidden thing. That we're hidden away for him. We're not all exposed to the enemy. We're not subject to whatever the enemy wants to do. But we, we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. That word shamar also means to hedge about with thorns. There's a protection over us. God has a desire for our lives to be peaceful and unhindered. Did I say hedge about with thorns? Yeah. So the enemy, the Bible says, whoever breaks a hedge will be bitten by a snake. So there's not good things for people who try to tear down the hedge of protection that God has about us. It means to beware, to be circumspect. So he stands over us, hovering us, keeping under his wing, and he looks all about every which way to make sure the enemy doesn't come near us. Isn't that wonderful? It's such a comforting thought. It means to look narrowly. You know, some people just want to stare into you to see that narrow look. The little piercing eyes and looking into you, see what they can see. It means to observe. And to lay in wait for. So God lies in wait for us to protect us, rise up on our behalf. Also means to lean forward and peer into the distance and look well to. So God knows what's coming in the future. And he already has made provision for it. He's not afraid of it. What he's doing when he peers into the distance on our behalf. He gets a vision of a good life for us. And then he sets our steps in motion walking toward that vision. So he motivates us. He's not only protecting us but he motivates us toward a good future. You know he knows the thoughts that he has toward us. Thoughts about peace. To do us good in the end. It means not at the end of your life, but at the end of your obedience to him. All of that is going to work good for us. The word attend really means to pursue and to minister to. So he pursues us to minister to us. The word for attend also means bodyguard. He will keep the steps of the righteous. Our foot will not slip or dash our foot against a stone. All of those protections have to do with God's attending over us. Man. The word attend also means be careful to keep something. To be careful to keep something. Mm. 
Okay, back to Psalm 107. In verse 17, it says, Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. So transgression and iniquities will cause you some harm. But he says, Their soul abhorred all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Amen. So as far as you get away from obeying God, if you will cry unto the Lord and he saves them out of their distresses. So this cry to the Lord can be made whether you you caused your trouble, whether you know how we're all innocent all the time, whether you wanted in people. Cry unto the Lord anyway. And he says, and he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. He brought them back to wholeness, soundness, health, totally restored. And that's what he stands attentive to our cry to do, to not just pull us out of trouble, but to totally restore us back to health, back to wholeness, back to peace, and back to contentment. It doesn't matter how disobedient you get and how far down the road you go. If you will humble yourself and cry out to God, he will come, heal you, pick you up, restore you, give you everything back. Don't settle for less. You know, many times a voice of condemnation will tell us, well, you know, you're doing good just to break even with this, just to get out of this trouble, you know. Don't stop God from blessing you and restoring you into the fullness. It says here, they walked away from God. It, it says here, they abhorred all manner of meat and drew, drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress and sent his word and healed them and delivered them. So he did a complete job. He didn't just stop the trouble that was going on. He delivered them from all of their destructions. He says, verse 23, They that go down to the sea in ships to do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. So these are people, they have an understanding of who God is. For he commands and and raises the stormy winds which lifts up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. Now this is somebody who's gotten himself in a boat and has got trouble in sea. You know, you can be in situations where the elements overwhelm you. You can be in situations where uh, you're close to death. Uh, I was a kid, almost drowned at least twice. I just stopped going swimming. You know what I'm saying? I said, this it just ain't for me now. You know, come on, nobody, nobody can get this close to dying twice in a neighborhood swimming pool. But you know, you can get that close to death. And he says. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. I don't care how close to death you get. I don't care if you see the face of death. If you kiss the face of death. You cry out to the Lord and he delivers you out of all of your troubles. I mean every single one of them. I I was so glad when that that thing stopped uh, visiting me. You know it was like and it was a a curse. It was a a visitation that, that came upon my life I think because of of you know witchcraft and stuff like that and, and you know calls on people's lives when when you're 
called as a prophet you have prophetic giftings you know the devil tries to get you back into his into his uh, his power and I can recall the last time that happened to me I was a Christian and I was in Cleveland and <laughs> it was like a great great <laughs> my poor poor late husband he said I can't even go to work and leave you for like Lucy you got some splaining to do so <laughs> so I was uh, I was visiting someone and you know left my car ran out thought I was going to run out and run into their house and went in, went in and um, when I came back out my car was gone but it had my purse in it and it had some other things in it and so <laughs> I called the police and reported it so they thought I was hijacked and, and it was said that I was missing and probably killed because they got the car and I wasn't in it they found the, the car didn't get very far and uh, I think I've told you guys this story before I found some I went in I thought I was going to, to a friend's apartment and when I knocked on her door, there was nobody there. I came back down. My car was gone. So I went into the people, the downstairs neighbor, and used their phone and called. And, you know, this is back in the 90s before we had everybody had a cell phone. And I called the police, and they were looking for it. And <laughs> I didn't know there was Jehovah's Witnesses in there. And I made them pray to Jesus. <laughs> My car would be found. I said, I said we're, we're having our, uh, we're Jehovah. I said, you ain't Jehovah nothing today. I said, we're praying to Jesus. I said, y'all stop that. And I made them all bow their heads. And we prayed the prayer of agreement. <laughs> stop the Jehovah Witness meeting. And uh, <laughs> seriously. And uh, so, but, you know. <laughs> God will do what he has to do. But I commanded that whoever was be apprehended, that my car would be found. They would stop them right there. And so the, uh, um, I guess the police were looking for me. And so when poor Aubrey got to the police station and picked me up, he said, my wife is not kidnapped. He just refused. It's like, Lucy, you got some splaining to do here. And um, so I came in the police station and I had that same feeling that I used to get whenever somebody pulled me out the swimming pool or somebody locked me in a refrigerator when I was a kid. I, I mean, kid, it was like every seven years or so the devil tried to kill me. I mean, really kill me. And uh, then when I got older, I was severely depressed and wanted to kill myself. So this is not, you know, something that doesn't happen to people it does and so anyway um, that was kind of like I and I told the Lord at that time I said God I want this to be the last time I'm done with this you got me and and you know I prayed and I got myself in a place in God where I could believe him that he watches over me like this attentive to my cry and I said I said you mean all I have to do he said yep all you gotta do is call my name he said and, and you know angels are dispatched and so forth and so on and I began to be more careful you know I don't leave my car running with my person anymore but it was one of those things that there it was a spiritual force that kind of would meet me you know if this death spirit would try to attach itself to me and then it would 
there would be an atmosphere change in the atmosphere around me where people expected me to be dead. I remember there was a lady that had my same name. She was my same age. And she got run over by a car. It was in the newspaper in Cleveland. This was like seven years prior to this incident happening. And people called me for like two days Oh, I just want to make sure you're alive. You know, just you know that kind of stuff. And it's, and then the spirit comes upon you, and it makes you feel creepy. It makes you feel out of your body. It makes you feel, you know, like you shouldn't be here, kind of thing. And so, um, I had. I had some women that were in, we had started the ministry at that time. Last time I had them all pray for me. I said, we're going to stop this. I said, I'm going to stop showing up and I'm not supposed to be here. You know what I'm saying? This is going to stop. And and I believe God to make a place for me in the earth. I believe God to fulfill whatever he called me to do in the earth. And then faith took over. And I haven't had anything like that happen in, I know, at least 20 years. So I thank God for that. But God is attentive to our cry to deliver us from destructions. I don't care who's trying to destroy you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he will preserve you and protect you. And he will help you to know how to cooperate with him and help yourself. And so it's a good thing to know that God wants us to live. He wants to satisfy us with long life. He wants us to have a divine protection. He wants us to have, um, 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 you know, a good reputation. He wants us to have, he doesn't want your life to be uh, thrown away and treated as though it's not important, you know, anywhere. He, we are important to him. And in understanding the protection that God gives to people and so forth and so on uh, goes a long way in helping us to, to walk in that. Because, uh, you know, sometimes people get weary if they, they They'll succumb to death just because they're sick of fighting it, you know. I mean, seriously. And so, you know, you'll see people, you know, well, I didn't, they didn't get me this time. They got me that time, though. You know, it's, it's uh, very, very unfortunate. And so we have to do everything we know to do to cooperate with long life, length of days, good health, prosperity, fulfilling your God-given purpose. All of that is part of what God wants to do when he watches over us and is a attentive to us and hovers over us so Jesus is always there to help us he wants to deliver us deliver us from all of our uh, distresses and destructions and wants to bring us into a place of peace safety of strength protection He wants us to be a force to be reckoned with in the earth. Just like Jesus was. Jesus was a force to be reckoned with. He was somebody that people either loved him or you hated him. He said, I'm cool with that. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. You know, if you're lukewarm, you can't make up your mind about me. And you want to think about whether or not I'm real or whether I'm good or whether I'm the only way to salvation. He said, you think about me in those terms. He said, but make up your mind. You know, you either be for me or against me. 
And so I think it's very important once you've made up your mind about the Lord to go all the way with him. Just just give everything over to him and trust him with everything that's in you. Trust him with everything that you have. Trust him to do everything that he says he's going to do. And he will uh, be attentive and be ready to come to our aid and rescue. In Acts chapter 7, I thought I would find us a New Testament example of Jesus, of God being attentive uh, to our cry and attentive to the righteous, to the the, uh, distresses of the righteous. Whenever righteous people are distressed, God stands at alert. He stands at alert to come and rescue us. There's a story about Stephen who was... uh, I think this was still in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem. There was a lot of confusion in the church at this time. The uh, disciples had uh, gone on to start the early church. There was great power in the church just from their preaching. Stephen was actually... uh, a believer. He preached on a believer's level. There's no evidence that he was, you know, some people call him an evangelist because, you know, he got up and preached. But uh, he was a deacon, actually, in the church. And, and that was, but they always chose people full of the Holy Ghost and power. And I like that. You know, anytime you have any kind of uh, responsibility in God's church, you should be fully equipped to carry out uh, whatever it is that's known. And, and during the time of the early church, it was very common for believers to go forth preaching the word of God. It wasn't like it is now where some people feel they should do it, some people feel they shouldn't and you know all that kind of stuff. These people went forth and they did the works of God and God confirmed the word with sign following. And I believe whenever we get up and preach the word it's always confirmed with signs following. Uh, You know the word in itself is anointed. The anointing follows the word. Whenever it's taught, preached, declared, uh, spoken, there's life. There's there is life on the word of God. Whenever it's it's projected, there's life on the the written word of God. The Holy Ghost can illuminate from the pages of the written word and make that word alive and quicken it to us and make it real. So it's very important for us. To always speak God's word, always preach God's word, declare it with confidence. It's not a maybe, it's not a might, but it is truth and it is fact. And so this is what the believers did in the early church and it was very very powerful and so Stephen in, in Acts chapter 7 got up and began to preach. He was, they was debating with the high priests in the uh, in the synagogue there and Stephen goes through the history of the nation of Israel uh, goes through uh, the patriarchs to Moses and talks about the law and all of the things that were handed down and then he begins to share how Jesus Christ was the Messiah he was the fulfillment of everything and apparently this preaching his his style of preaching to the Jews brought great conviction on the hearts of the people so much so that they decided to stone him and in verse 54 it says and when they heard these things they were cut to the heart man 
there's always a reaction to God's truth. If you're a believer, you can get built up and edified, but if you're standing against him, you will be cut to the heart. It says, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. They were so angry. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at attention, attentive to hear his cry on the right hand of God. He says, and behold... I see the heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So here Jesus is standing at attention, watching Stephen, attentive to his words, hovering over his words, standing guard over his word, watching to see, to come to his aid and to his rescue and to deliver him out of the hand of the enemy. And he says... They cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. In other words, his preaching was so convincing to him, they started stopping their ears up and running to him in anger, clenching their teeth, cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God saying, Stephen called upon God saying, Lord Jesus receive my spirit. That was his cry. Now, Jesus stands at attention to deliver us from our destructions. Isn't that right? Isn't that what we read in the Psalms? Isn't that what? God has done and, and we expect God to do why Stephen gets stoned in Hebrews 11 and verse 35 by faith Okay, that's what this whole thing is talking about. Verse 27 or 31 tells you by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Women received their dead raised to life again and others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. So it's always your choice what you ask God to do for you. He stands at attention to do whatever it is that you ask. Stephen said, receive my spirit. If he had said, deliver me from death, like Paul did over and over and over again, or Saul, he would have, he would have delivered him. But he stands at attention to hear your cry waiting to deliver you whichever direction you decide you want to go. And Stephen decided he was going to opt for a better resurrection because he had made up his mind. If this is my last time, it's my last time. Jesus, one way or the other, I'm coming to you. I can stay here, but I think I'll take the early train this time. I'm just not going to just not going to wait for the late train. I'll take the early train out. And that's everybody's choice. That's every every human being has a choice and decision. To receive God's deliverance and go on and die another day or to ask God to receive their spirit. And that's what Stephen decided to do. 
it, there's no judgment. You know, we don't judge people one way or the other. How they, if you live, you live unto the Lord. If you die, you die in the Lord. Whether you live or you die, you it's all for the glory of God. You got me? Because you're his child. You're his servant. But if you have decided that you're going to live and not die, God will deliver you and, and let you keep on with the life, whatever plan he has for your life. It can be short or it can be long. But God will deliver you. He stands at attention to hear our cry of deliverance or our cry to come home. And Stephen decided to come on home. Amen. He just decided to do that. We're all going to make that decision one day. It's, you know, it's not, we're not always going to be totally tied to this earth and totally tied to earth things. There's a new heaven and a new earth coming. There's a new uh, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. It's not contaminated with the devil's hell and the devil's sin and the devil's degrading way of dealing with people. I mean, there there's more coming, folks. This isn't all that there is. And God has reserved that place for the righteous. So we, we love him for that. In Matthew, I think I want to go to Matthew chapter 20. <clears throat> God is attentive. He stands at attention, hovering over the righteous, just waiting. And just waiting. Just waiting. Praise God. Why don't I do Mark chapter 10? I think that's the one I want. Mark 10 and verse 46 it says and they came to Jericho and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples a great number of people blind Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus sat by the highway side begging and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth he began to cry out and say Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me now you see this phrase repeated many times by Jewish people because they identified Jesus as the Messiah the chosen one son of David and so it's more of a covenant cry the cry of the righteous somebody that God has a relationship a covenant relationship with and they are waiting for their deliverer and he recognizes the Messiah as his deliverer and he says that when they heard there was uh, Jesus of Nazareth he began to cry out Jesus son of David have mercy on me and many charged him that he should hold his peace but he cried the more a great deal thou son of David have mercy on me now don't be upset if God doesn't jump the first time you cry hmm? don't be upset if he doesn't jump the first time you cry Amen. There are many times where we have to continue in faith and wait for our deliverance. So don't, you know, it just depends on the level of faith that you're exercising. I mean, these are things that I can understand. And God doesn't give an answer specifically why there was this delay here. I know that Jesus is sensitive by the spirit to faith so he knows when faith is even in, in surrounding him 
whether faith is crying or not whether faith somebody gives voice to their faith or not Jesus is he has a spirit without measure so he can discern every spiritual fruit that's there he can discern every darkness that's there every spirit that's not right there he can discern all of that and he's able by his great wisdom and great power to sort through all of it to find out who to give his attention to and so here's Bartimaeus and he's crying out people are telling him to shut up and maybe that has an effect on him you understand what I'm saying maybe that tones his faith down a little bit I think sometimes the first time we cry it's just a tester you got me we're testing the waters to see what God's going to do and if he doesn't do what we want him to do the question is do can you muster up enough faith to say it again and let him know you mean it this time so that you can get his attention oftentimes too when we come to God the first time we come with all of our credentials and Bartimaeus may have been trying to pull a you know I'm entitled son of you know the son of David phrase that was common for Jews to say that so it's like he's trying to get Jesus's attention based on the fact that he's a Jew that never played into it Jesus had to come to fulfill his obligation to the Jewish nation but anybody who came to him and got anything came by faith faith came before the law faith supersedes the law anything you get from God you must come by faith and so your credentials about knowing he's the son of David and and you know that you're entitled to a blessing from the Messiah has nothing to do with Jesus stopping and helping you and so many times you'll see Jesus will ignore people the first time because their faith just did not touch him but Bartimaeus finally mustered up enough courage to say it over again and he says he said thou son of David have mercy on me a second time and this time he said it with faith his faith overrode the uh, contradictions and the warnings of the people who told him you're not good enough you know you, you are you a member of the synagogue oh we're only dealing with people members of this church over here that you can get a blessing it's amazing to me oftentimes the people that have had tremendous ministries healing ministries in the past and been able to uh, see the power of God in a great dimension it's never been locked up in a denomination has it it's usually a person that has their own venue uh, ministry that go to a neutral venue and whosoever will comes it's never locked up in say uh, we're the assemblies of God and we have a healing church here and you got to come to us to get healed by God it just seems that God doesn't respect all of those barriers all of those restrictions all of those you got to come through us we own healing you know this denomination is known for this and you can only get it here it just tears all of that down because it doesn't seem consistent with what we know historically in the church about healing and miracle ministry it's always done in a place of God's choosing and nobody is ever able to own it 
You can't go. You can't tell me a denomination where you can go and guarantee to be healed. You can't tell me of one. Because God will not allow anything man-made to hinder the release of his power. It's got to be made free to everybody. And I think that's why Jesus' ministry function the way it did he was though had the spirit without measure he could go in the synagogue and heal people he he healed anywhere he went because he could override he was the king of glory he was the lord of lords and he knew 100% who he was but he went looking to seek and save the ones that needed help that was the main thing and so Bartimaeus says a second time Jesus son of David he says it all the more a great deal Sometimes your cry has to hit a volume where you believe it, the devil leaves you alone, God believes it, and God moves. Got me? And so this constant crying, 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 crying. There's evidence that, that God respects persistence. The, the woman with the unjust judge, he didn't respect man or God. But the fact that she kept coming back over and over and over again, he let her have what she wanted. That that persistence sums, somehow increases your faith, moves God. Whatever it does, it, it has an effect in the atmosphere. It allows your faith to, to be the last word out there. You know, uh, the fact that he didn't let all these people standing around have the last word. You know, that's very important. You know, sometimes if you go to the doctor and they say, well, you know, you're not going to live very much longer. If you let that stay out there and you don't answer that, that's going to be the word that guard, that watches over your life. But Bartimaeus didn't let that happen. He kept saying, no, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm asking you for mercy. And so when Jesus gets his attention, he stands there, stood still, verse 49, and commanded him to be called. So he picked him out of everybody in that crowd and said, you come here because I heard you. Many people in the the multitude, the the great number of people were probably shouting his name. Probably, uh, you know, uh, part of the crowd. Oh yeah, praise Jesus. You know, they get all their religious phrases together. But none of them moved him with faith and made him stand still. Other than that, Jesus was just walking out of the gate of the city and ready to move on. And so he stopped when Bartimaeus cried the second time commanded him to be called and they called the blind man saying to him be of good comfort in other words you're going to get what you asked for you got me the ones who were letting him through already knew that Jesus was going to give if he calls you if you get his attention you know the Bible says this is the confidence that we have in him we have a confidence that if we know he hears us then we know we have what we want how do you know God hears you? You ask according to his will. You ask according to his word. You look at that word and faith rises in your heart. You say, God, I want you to come to bat for me. I want you to give me a way out of my trouble. I want you to give me a, a second chance here. I want you to give me a miracle. I want you to get these people to work on my behalf. I want you to do these things. 
And he always comes. They tell them, be of good comfort. Rise. He's calling you. In other words, the ushers are looking. They said, we've seen this a million times. Everybody that he says, come on up, gets what they ask for. And so he says here, he casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus. Jesus answered and said to him, what, will you, what do you want that I should do to you? Now this is very important. You see a blind person, you assume. Faith never assumes. The anointing never assumes. The anointing is specific. The anointing has to match your words. Whenever you speak and tell God what you want, there is a power that hears that, manufactures it, and brings it back to you. You can have what you say. And so Jesus has to have his permission to open his eyes. God can look at you and know what you need. In fact, if he looked at most of us, we have more than one need. Sometimes one is obvious, but we got so many. You know, we'd be a, 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 a full day project. If Jesus didn't ask us which one it is, he's all this mess up. you a hot mess. Let me, you know, tell me which one of these things you want to fix first. <laughs> because you need a tune-up, an overhaul, a realignment, an adjustment. You understand what I'm saying? And so when we go before the Lord, it is a spiritual law. He must use your faith to bring to you what you desire. And faith is specific. Amen. Faith is the substance of something you are hoping for. You better spit it out and tell him. I've had people come in a healing line and ask for a financial breakthrough and they have an obvious they're on a cane, a crutch or something and I said, Well do you want do you, don't you want to please, please, you know, let me <laughs> But they'll come and say, Well, you know, I'm standing in proxy for well, you ain't even standing. This cane is standing for you. You understand what I'm saying? It's just so ah, please it's obvious to me what God wants to do for them and obvious what they need. But if they don't ask for it, they won't get it. And that's sad. With obvious physical limitations and obvious physical problems and won't ask God to do it for them. But Bartimaeus was smarter than that. He said, you know what? I'm sick of being blind. I've been blind for, I don't know, you know, probably from birth. They don't really say. <clears throat> But, you know, it's, he's already got a, a beggar's robe on, so he's identified as a blind person. So what he's saying is, I want a new identity. I want a new way of living. I want a new future. I want a new hope. I want to be made whole. And so God, that's, that's what he wants. And Jesus, when he heard that... He says that I might receive my sight. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. In other words, just turn around and start walking. Just walk in faith. And and get to getting Bartimaeus. You got a whole new life ahead of you. He says, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. And so this is something that's that's very important for us to understand, folks. God is attentive to our cry. After we know He hears us, then we speak the petition that we desire. We speak the petition that He we desire. He's there to help us, to preserve us to guard over us to watch over us with care he wants to be careful to keep us to minister to us 
to take regard for us to stand on watch before us all of these things but he can do none of that until we express from our mouths what it is we desire and once we do that he'll deliver us from our destructions he will help us he will give us wisdom and guidance so many things that God wants to do for us but but you need to know he's not somewhere not concerned about you He's not somewhere uh, just expecting you to fall and then come and pick you up, you know, when you've been in the mud long enough. That's not God's attitude to us. It never has been and never will be. But he stands on the ready. He's just hovering over us like a, a mother over a newborn baby. Just waiting to see, watching our every breath, watching our every move, our every heartbeat to make sure we're healthy, to make sure we're alive. And we cry out to him. If he, You know, if you're in distress you're in um, uh, physical distress you cry out to him God help me help me I'm your child you promised me to heal me I was you know we had the last healing school there was a woman that came up and she said oh she said well I've got a pain in my heart and I said it's not really in your heart is it and she just broke out in tears. I said, you just got a chest pain, don't you? She said, I said, don't let the enemy make you think it's more than what it is. You got me? That's so typical of the devil. You know, you it can be anything. It can be gas. It can be a strained muscle. It can be nothing. Something that passes and you put a, a heavy diagnosis on yourself. Because the enemy's messing with your head. Well, God wants to deliver you from your destructions and she said she said you know what I it didn't I did she said just to me I said no I said the enemy plays tricks with us like like that I said you he's told you it's your heart I said but you're just feeling the pain in your chest I said well, let me pray for you I said but don't call it a chest pain anymore I said don't call it your heart anymore I said thank God for healing you I said and just go on and be healed and so God wants to do those things for us folks he wants us not to be infirm he wants us to know that we are redeemed from the curse of sickness period amen he'll deliver us and heal us and deliver us from our destructions if we will will cry out to him he stands on the ready to give us anything that we need to make it through this life and to prosper and to succeed amen but father we thank you for helping us through your word and allowing us to understand your heart toward us it's a heart thing it's a heart thing lord your heart is so connected to us so attached to us in every way father that you hear our prayer you hear our cry you know our hearts you deliver us from all destruction we thank you we bless you we honor you lord in jesus name amen and praise god amen 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 if anybody needs prayer come on up i'll pray for you